Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Here's another in NBC's great parade of new shows. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. A 22-year-old girl has disappeared. A letter has been received. It demands $30,000 for the girl's return. The letter is signed, The Wolf. Your job, get him. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, October 18th. It was cloudy in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Frank. I was on the way back from the stats office, and it was 3.26 a.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Got those mud gas ports up here. They are. Thanks, Harris. Backstrand, leave yet? In a minute. I'm going out with him. What's the address out there? The Sullivan Place. 814 Castro Boulevard. You go straight out Santa Monica, take a left at Castro. I remember. You ready, Chief? Yeah, man. Friday, you call Romero yet? Right now. Get on it. This one we don't fool with. Yeah. Come on, Harris. Hello? Sorry to wake you, Ben. This is Joe. How you feeling? Time is it? 3.30 a.m. How do you feel? Oh, a lot better. Be back to work tomorrow. You'll be ready in 20 minutes. I'll pick you up. 20 minutes? Okay, what's up? You remember Martin Sullivan, vice president of the Third National Bank? Sullivan? Yeah, yeah, what about it? Got a 22-year-old daughter. Or he had one. She's gone. Good time, Joe. Yeah. Where are we headed? Sullivan home out on Castro Boulevard. Ed's out there now with Harris. Mm. Any leads to work on? No, nothing so far. 
The girl disappeared a little before one o'clock yesterday afternoon. At 11 last night, he got a letter. They want $30,000. Sullivan hasn't got that kind of money. Yeah, I know it. Poor guy's almost out of his mind. Fill me in. How did it happen? Well, the guy took the girl out of business school. He had her called out of class. Told her her father was sick, said he was a friend of the family. Well, how about the teachers? What was their story? Said the girl didn't want to go with the man at first, but he finally talked her into it. Kept telling her her father was dying. That's about as low as it come? Yeah. Did he use a car? Witnesses said it was a blue sedan. They didn't get the license number or the make. Did they remember what the guy looked like? About 5'9", 160, brown suit, dark hair. Hmm. Nothing else? No. Here's a copy of the letter. The usual. Read it. Yeah. Yeah. I have your daughter, Judy. Get, uh, what, what's that? 30000 $30,000 quick if you want her back alive. Don't call police or I'll kill her. Contact you later. Signed, uh, what was it? The Wolf. Oh, Wolf. I could think of a better name. Come on, here we are. Who's got the original note, Joe? Lee Jones down at the crime lab. He's checking it for prints and handwriting. Well, if he was... Oh, hi, Dave. Yeah, right on in the house, boys. Just wait for you. Thanks, Dave. Hi, Joe. Ben. In the living room. Mm, thank you. That's the way I see it, Mr. Sullivan. Now, you understand exactly what you have to do? Yes, sir. Uh, I'll do as you say. All right. Here are the two men who will help you. Sergeant Friday and Sergeant Romero, homicide. Yes, sir. How do you do? I do. Mr. Backstrand, I... Are you sure about all this? He he might get frightened. He he might do something to duty. Believe me, Mr. Sullivan, it's the only way. I know how you must feel, but we can't do anything else. All right, I... I want to see Mrs. Sullivan first. I'll be ready in a moment. Any developments? Yeah. Come on back in the dining room. There it is on the table. Second note from the guy. Mm, Telegram. When did this come? About half an hour ago. Guy phoned it into Western Union from a public booth. Couldn't trace it. I see, Joe. Yeah. Be at Elysian Park, 5 o'clock this morning, near Balkan Drive. Come alone. Bring 30,000. Will return girl. Don't tell cops. Kill her if you do. The wolf. 4 a.m. now, Skipper. Not much time. I know it. We'll have to do as he says. No other way. Then Sullivan's going out there alone? You're going with him. You and Romero. You'll be hidden out in the trunk of the car. Any plan? Get him. That's all. Ben and I went out the back door and into the Sullivan garage. We jammed ourselves into the trunk compartment, and Harris closed the door on us. The latch was fixed so that the door could be pushed open from the inside. A few minutes later, Mr. Sullivan came out, got in the car, and we drove off. At three minutes to five, we pulled up at the meeting place in the Legion Park. We waited. Nothing happened. At five minutes past five, it started to thunder. That's all we need now. Thunderstorm. Yeah. Stuff in here in this trunk, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Ben, listen. Something. Must be. Not to be seen anything. Sounds like he's pacing. 
pacing up and down alongside the car, doesn't it? Now, listen. Can't hear anything else. Can you? No. We better stay undercover. Yeah. I'm a rain starting in. Wonder what happened to the wolf. Cold feet, maybe. Let's wait it out. time you got now? Move over a little. Let me get my watch a bit. Yeah. A little past 5.30. Sergeant. Sergeant. Mr. Sullivan? Yes. Do you think he's coming? He's late. It's getting daylight. We better wait it out, Mr. Sullivan. Now, look, don't come back here again. If he's watching, you might tip him off. Oh. oh all right. All right. You in? Yeah, the meeting's off. Come on out. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Got a cramp in my leg. Well, I'm cramped all over. Mr. Sullivan, drive back home. We'll contact you there. All right, all right Chief. Ben, Joe, come on over to the car. What's the story, Ed? Guy had no intention of following through with this meeting tonight. Well, how come? He told us. He's going at 5 o'clock. Tried to trace the call. He wouldn't stay on the line long enough. What did he have to say? He wanted more money. Bragged about how smart he was. How we'd never get him. But he knows Sullivan's called in the police. Sure. Said he didn't care. We'd never get him anyway. Yeah, pretty cocky. Pretty smart. Take my word for it. He's no dummy. Control 1 to 80K. Control 1 to 80K. 80K to Control 1. 80K to Control 1. Go ahead. 80K, go to your office. Code three. Go to your office. Code three. All right, Romero. Let's roll. More than 12 hours had passed since word of Judy Sullivan's disappearance had been pulled in a homicide. During that time, an all-points bulletin containing the descriptions of the suspect, his car, and the girl had been sent out on the teletype to law enforcement agencies throughout the area. The same descriptions were broadcast over the police radio every hour. The Sullivan home had been placed under strict surveillance, and Mr. Sullivan instructed not to contact the suspect without knowledge of the police. He'd raised almost $10,000 in cash to buy him off. The serial number on each one of the bills had been copied by a police stenographer and then rechecked by a homicide officer. So far, the wolf, as he called himself, had made three separate contacts, but he'd covered his tracks well. We knew that he was somewhere in the city, 500 square miles of it, and we knew we had to find him fast. It was 18 minutes past six when we got back to homicide. Hi, Chief. Fellas. You got something for us, Mac? Here, this letter. Special delivery. Came in about 25 minutes ago. Can I see that, Mike? Stay away from Sullivan. If the kid's found dead, it's your fault. Stay away, the wolf. All right, Mike. Get it over to the crime lab and have Lee check it for prints. Right, Chief. Lee find any prints on the second note, Mike? Two. Running through R&I now. Friday, Romero. Get down there and see if they got a make. Right, Ed. Let's go, Ben. Who's watching the Sullivan house beside Harry? Uh, Carpenter and Davis. Backstrand's afraid the girl's father will try to make a deal with the guy. Has he tried it yet? No, he hasn't yet. You couldn't blame him if he did. Word's sick. Oh, yeah. Here we are. Hi, fellas. Just coming down to see you. 
got something, Larry? Those two prints Lee Jones lifted off that letter got a make on them from the single print file. Good, Larry. Let's see, huh? There it is. Pull the whole package on them. Donald Alfred Kiefer. Looks like a real bad one, doesn't he? Donald Alfred Kiefer, male, Caucasian, age 29, 5 feet 8 inches, 170 pounds, brown eyes, dark brown hair. He had one previous arrest for forgery in Los Angeles 10 months before. Kiefer's occupation at the time of his arrest was listed as bank clerk at the Third National Bank. Ben went back into the files and pulled the crime report. Then we called Ed Backstrand. There's the answer, Skipper. At the time Kiefer pulled that forgery job at the bank, Mr. Sullivan was one of the vice presidents. Mm, go on. Sullivan was the one who preferred charges against Kiefer and saw that he was prosecuted. Where's this Kiefer now? Oh, let me see. He was placed on probation, and on May 16th this year, he returned to his home in Omaha, Nebraska. That's 1380 Mackinac Avenue. All right, Romero. Get Omaha on the phone and have them check out Kiefer. Right, Skipper. Friday, take Kiefer's package and this note down to Don Myers. Have him check the handwriting. And get over to the crime lab and see what Jones lifted off that last letter we got. All right, Ed. The faster we work, the faster we'll put this guy behind bars. Now move. How's the writing compared, Don? What'd you find? Yeah, it looks good. See here? Slants as crosses, double loops as L's, open A's, pressure on the downstroke. Donald Kiefer, wolf, same handwriting. Lifted three prints off this last note, Joe. Brought them out to the iodine fume gun. They match with the first. Thanks, Lee. Did you find anything else? I don't know if it'll help you much. We examined the paper for watermarks and texture... Both notes are written on the same kind of paper. Impressions show both pieces of paper from the same tablet. Check the density of the carbon and the pencil he used. Both specimens match. Same pencil. By mid-afternoon, Donald Keeper's description had been broadcast throughout the area. Bulletins were dispatched to all departments, and an APB was teletyped to the entire state. Men were stationed at every post office in the city to watch for notes that might come through the mail. The bus depots, railroad terminals, the airports, and all the main roads leading out of the city were under strict surveillance. The entire Los Angeles area was broken down into single square-mile districts, and a house-to-house canvas was started. A squad of men were assigned to cover each square mile. Outlying towns and cities were requested to do the same. By 5 o'clock that afternoon, the greatest dragnet operation in the history of the city was underway. We were sure Donald Kiefer was somewhere inside. At 12 minutes past 5, Ben got the call back from the Omaha police. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. 6X-ray 419. Nebraska place, right. Well, thank you a lot. Yeah, bye. They had a make of the car. Lots more. The Omaha cops are looking for Keeper, too. Want him for a robbery there two months ago. Yeah. And that robbery used a stolen 1939 blue sedan. Nebraska license plate, 6X-ray 419. How about his family and his friends back there? They all been checked? Yeah. Well, get that car description of communications, huh? APB, teletype and broadcast. I'll tell him. Yeah, right, Joe. Right in, Romero. Yeah, Ed. What are you tied up with? Well, just got a call from Omaha. Make on Keeper in the car. Give it to me. You two get out to the Sullivan house as fast as you can. See, Harris. What's happened, Skipper? Martin Sullivan's disappeared. All right, Harris. How'd it happen? About three this afternoon, Mr. Sullivan got a phone call. Said he had to go down to the bank. I went with him. He had me wait in the reception room, and he went in his office. After waiting ten minutes, I got suspicious and went in. He was gone. That's it. Did he get any more money? This morning. Five thousand dollars. Did you get the serial numbers off the bills? Yeah. Shouldn't have let him get out of my sight. Forget it. Right now, we've got to find out where he's gone to meet Kiefer. Did you talk to Mrs. Sullivan about it, Harris? She 
says she doesn't know anything about it. Let's try her again. Come on, let's go inside. All right, fellas. All right. Where's Miss Sullivan, Dave? Back in the sitting room, lying down. Doctor's with her. Come on. What time you got, Ben? Uh, 6.35. I'll get it. Hello? Where are you? Oh. Where are you now? Where are you now? We'll be right out. That was Martin Sullivan. He met with Kiefer. Out in Laurel Canyon. Did he get his daughter back? Yeah. Wrapped in newspapers. All cars in the area were notified that a contact had been made with Kiefer. We got in the car and drove out to Laurel Canyon. The entire area had been blocked off. We found Martin Sullivan standing in the middle of the road at the end of East Winding Way. 500 feet down the hill was a private residence where Sullivan had telephoned us. It was the only building in the immediate vicinity. A few yards beyond the point where East Winding Way ended, back in a clump of tall grass, we found the body of Martin Sullivan's daughter. We notified the crime lab, Chief Backstrand in the corner. Despite a severe state of emotional shock, Martin Sullivan tried to tell us the story. He said... Judy was all right. I believed him. I wanted her back. Judy. I tricked the officer, the one watching me. He said, come along, no police. Did you see his car, Mr. Sullivan? I wanted her back. I wanted Judy back. I... I did as he said. I drove here... Six o'clock, and I waited. I put the money on the front seat, like he like said. Did he get the money, Mr. Sullivan? And I... I got out. I left parking lights on. I stood up there by the end of the road, waiting. Mr. Sullivan. Then he drove up. He, he took the money... Then he came up to me. He had a gun. I wanted Judy back. He had a gun. Did you see his car? He said she was up there, beyond the road, tied to a tree. I brought her back. Mr. Sullivan, did you see his car? I went to look for... He drove away. She wasn't there. The tree. Couldn't find her. On the way back, I... I saw her bundle on the way back. <laughs> Before he went into a state of complete collapse, we showed Martin Sullivan a picture of Donald Alfred Kiefer. He definitely identified him. The information was immediately relayed back to Central Division, rebroadcast to the entire police radio system. A teletype was dispatched to sheriff's offices, and communications were sent to police stations throughout the country. 
The house-to-house search throughout the entire city intensified. The dragnet in which we hoped to trap Donald Keeper was drawing slowly inward. It was 12 midnight. Friday, did the papers get a list of the numbers on that ransom money? Yeah, it got them in the final net edition. Two and a half pages of serial numbers gave it a big spread. Look at these pictures of Kiefer here, all over the front page. The more the better, Romero. I hope this town never forgets that face. Good reminder. You don't make deals with killers. Hi, fellas. Come on over. Find anything yet, Lee? Just checking over these towels here. Found them wrapped around the girl's body, inside the papers. Funny thing about those papers. What's that, Lee? They're all yesterdays. Every story about the girl's disappearance has been clipped out. Maybe the guy's making up a scrapbook. How about the towels, Jones? Any laundry marks? Not a one so far, Ed. Every one of them was clipped off. Pretty smart. The morgue post the body in? They're doing it now. Yeah, nasty one. Yeah. Did you get any footprints or tire marks out where they found the body? Lots of them. All cast. Bossy and Taylor are checking them. Not one thing. What is it, Jones? I don't know. Under the seam here, this towel. Wait a minute. Joe, that pair of snippers there. Yeah, there you are. Thanks. Press back under the seam. There. That's one tag he missed. Any markings, Lee? Yeah. Greenway Apartments, Los Angeles. One look at the apartment was enough. In an adjoining garage, we found the car which Kiefer had used, a blue sedan. Nebraska license plate, 6X-ray, 419. When we got back to the office, Chief Backstrand immediately issued a cancellation of the warrant order for the blue sedan. And then he ordered a detail of men to stake out the car in the event Keeper decided to come back for it. Here's a coroner's report, Joe. Oh, let's see it. Yeah. Cause of death, strangulation. Time of death, Monday, October 18th, approximately 2 p.m. One hour after he grabbed her? Uh, I can't be right. Skipper in his office? No, he's out for a minute. Hey, Joe, Ben, take the call off 2503, will you? Thanks, Mike. Right. Would you give me the call on 2503, please? Thanks. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, when? We'll be right over. Some of the ransom money, Ben, just showed up. Beverly and Highland. Come on. man's name was Ralph Donahue. He operated a used car lot on the corner of Beverly and Highland. He told us that early that morning he sold a dark blue late model coupe to a man who gave his name as Fred Sims. The man paid for the car in cash. Donahue told us that he checked the serial numbers on the bills after the man had driven away. Serial numbers check out, Joe, every one of them. If I only thought to look, officer, and you know I generally do, I'm the suspicious kind anyway, but... Oh, this morning I must have been asleep. You got the full description on the car, Ben? Yeah, Joe. All right, let's get it on the air right away. I saw his mug in the paper while I was waiting for you. Too late. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. At ten minutes past three that afternoon, another piece of the ransom money turned up at a busy downtown department store. The clerk was unable to remember who gave her the bill. The detail throughout the general downtown area was strengthened. The house-to-house search of the entire city for Judy Sullivan's murderer went on. The afternoon dragged into the early evening. At 20 minutes to 7, Ben and I had a hamburger and a cup of coffee in the drugstore at East Broadway and 3rd. And then we got back in the car, checked with communications, and started cruising the neighborhood again. At 9 minutes to 8, a man answering the description of Donald Kiefer was seen crossing Sunset Boulevard just below Highland. 
Seven minutes later, the same man was reported near the intersection of Hollywood Boulevard and Las Palmas. Communications relayed the information. At 21 minutes past eight, our car, 80K, along with a dozen others, were concentrated in the Hollywood Boulevard area from Gower Street to La Brea, Franklin Avenue to Santa Monica Boulevard. At 24 minutes past eight, another piece of the ransom money was passed at a cigar store on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Hawthorne Street. The number of men and radio cars in the area was redoubled. Plainclothes officers were stationed at every intersection to keep an eye on pedestrian traffic. At 18 minutes to nine, the dark blue coupe which Kiefer had bought that morning was spotted parked in an alley just below Hollywood Boulevard in Coenga. We called Ed Backstrand. City Hall. 2503. 2503. Chief of Detectives Office, Alan. It's Friday, Mike. Chief there? Yeah, wait a minute. Just going out the door. Ed, it's for you. Backstrand? Friday, Ed. Just spotted Kiefer's car, the one he bought this morning, parked in an alley off Coenga. Harris and I are on our way up there now. We'll take care of the car. You take care of this call. Just came in. What do you got? Theater on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Fairview. The girl in the box office just took in a $10 ransom bill. Yeah? She got a good look at the man who passed the bill. She says it's Kiefer. All right, Ben, come on. Yeah. You got the list of zero numbers? Right here. Let's check at the window. Yes, sir. How many, please? Police officers. Sergeant Romero, Sergeant Friday. Oh, yes, sir. Mr. Rayburn, the police are here. Would you step around to the side door, Sergeant? Yes, ma'am. Margie, relieve Francis for a minute. Francis, come here. Bring that $10 bill with you. Sharp girl, officer, that Francis. Sharp. Here it is, Mr. Rayburn. Uh, all right, Sergeant. There you are. $10 bill and the list of serial numbers. Check out all right, Ben. That's it, Joe. Good work, man. You reported the man came in about a half hour ago. You're sure it was Kiefer? Yes, sir. I have his picture in the box office just behind the change machine. I recognized him right away. And as far as you know, he hasn't left the theater. That's right, sir. All right, Mr. Rayburn. I'm sorry. I'm afraid we'll have to interrupt the show. Anything you say, Sergeant. Anything. Ben, you keep an eye on the front exit. I'll call communications. All right, Joe. ADK to Control 4. 80K to Control 4. ADK, go ahead. Control 4, clear all frequencies. The Sullivan murder suspect, Donald Kiefer, has been located in the theater on the southeast corner of Hollywood Boulevard in Fairview. Have all units around the area. ADK, Roger. Attention all units. Attention all units. Assist ADK at the theater on the southeast corner of Hollywood Boulevard in Fairview. The Sullivan murder suspect has been located in the theater. Go ahead, ADK. Control 4. Have all units converge in the general area, Hollywood Boulevard and Fairview. Unit 62R to block off the intersection at Hollywood Boulevard and North Cherokee. Stop all pedestrian and vehicular traffic. Unit 61A to block the intersection at Hollywood Boulevard and Hudson Street. Stop all pedestrian and vehicular traffic. Unit 71 and 72R to block the alley behind the theater. Unit 66 and 67R to assist at main entrance to the theater. Within a few minutes, the one-half-mile area around the theater was completely blockaded. Every exit and entrance to the theater was covered. At 9.23, we met Harris and Ed Backstrand in the theater manager's office. Backstrand outlined our plan of operation. At 9.28, a detail of 14 men walked down the side aisles on the main floor of the theater and took up their posts on either side of the orchestra pit. The picture was stopped and every light in the theater was turned on. Ed Backstrand, Harris, Ben, and I went down the aisle and up onto the stage. Backstrand made the announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, we're sorry to interrupt the picture, but this is important. We're police officers. We've traced the murderer of Judy Sullivan to this theater. He is in this theater now. Now we're going to search the theater row by row, and we'd like to ask your cooperation. There's no need to be panicky or afraid. Those who wish to leave now may do so. Leave by the main entrance. 
Each one of you will be checked as you go out the door. And for the benefit of the man we're looking for, don't try to escape. Every exit is covered and the entire area is blockaded. Don't place any more lives in jeopardy. Come on, Ben. Backstage, Joe. We can make it from there. All right, let's go. Come on, hustle it, Ben. Yeah. The next building. You'll probably try to jump for it. All right, watch it. I think this door leads out to the roof. There he goes. All right, keeper, hold it. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. I give up. Throw your gun down. Over here. Don't shoot. Don't. Let's get him. All right, coppers. I got it figured. They won't top me for this. Didn't know what I was doing. Put the cops on him, Ben. Get away from me, you crumb. You shouldn't have hit him, keeper. the cuffs now. Yeah. Come on, let's get him in out of the rain. What's the hurry? Why spoil a good rain? The story you have just heard is cruel. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. Donald Alfred Kiefer was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. He was executed in the lethal gas chamber at the state penitentiary. You have just heard the 15th in a new series of authentic cases transcribed from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of acting chief of police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Deputy United States Marshal John B. Glenn of Boise, Idaho who on the morning of July 31st, 1940, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. Dragnet came to you from Los Angeles. Theater Guild on the Air returns tomorrow night on NBC. NBC's great parade of new shows. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to Homicide Bureau. A police officer has been shot, mortally wounded. One of the suspects has been apprehended. The other is still at large. Your job, find him. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force 
in action. It was Thursday, November 16th. It was foggy in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. It was 11.58 a.m. when we got to the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital, second floor, room five. Treatment room. How's Ben, Mr. Got in the lungs, Ben, three times. He's going fast. His wife with him? Yeah, they're bringing him down now. Can we talk to him? Yeah, make it fast. Come on, Joe. Yeah. This way. Easy. John. John, it's Friday in Romero. <laughs> I want to talk to you a minute. Oh, Doc. Doc, it burns. My chest. Burning up. Nurse? Yes, doctor? Uh, the hypodermic. Uh, yes, doctor. Yeah, easy. <laughs> All right, fellas. Don't take too long. John, it's Joe Friday. Can you tell us how it happened? Joe. Joe. How'd it happen, boy? Can you tell me? <clears throat> Can't figure it, Joe. Why'd he do it? We gotta find out. Now, how'd it happen? I don't know. I was directing traffic. East Broadway and First Street. Great Coop. Pulled up for the stop. Gray Coop. How many men in the car? How many, John? Two. <coughs> Gray Coop. Pulled up for the stop. In the pedestrian... Pedestrian lane. Went over. Gonna ask him to back up. Back up out of lane. Just gonna ask him. Yeah, John, and then what? Driver. Dark hair. Eyes. Dark. Went over. Gonna... Gonna ask him. Back up. Pointed a gun. No reason pointed a gun at me. All right, easy, John. Take it easy. No reason, Joe. No reason he fired. Hurry it up, Joe. Yeah. No. What about the other man in the car? Did you see him? Can you describe him? Joe. Joe, did you get him? Great coop driver. Guy with him. We've got the driver, John. He's upstairs. The other one got away. We've got to find him. you got to help us. My wife. Somebody send for Dora. She's on her way. She'll be here in a minute. Now, can you tell us? The other man in the car, what did he look like? Great coop. What did he look like? Don't press him, Joe. Great coop. The driver pointed a gun. Dark hair. Yeah, yeah, I know the other man, John. We got the driver. What did the other man look like? Send for Dora. Come on, Ben. Thanks, Doc. Okay, Joe. Going fast. Yeah. John got any kids? Two. Always pick a family man. This thing's got a phony ring to it, Ben. You don't just pull a gun and shoot a man. Not if you're sane, you don't. Here's the stairs. The guy we got is as sane as they come. And how do we explain it? All I know is that hood shot John Bemis, and I want to know why. Mm. Might be a lead in that car he was driving. Maybe. Come on, here we are. Phone message for you, Friday. Came in a few moments ago. Thanks, Davis. It's from R&I. They got a make? Take a look. No make or warrants on James Vickers. Great. Let's talk to him. Come on. Yeah. Minor wound, Joe. Bullet penetrated the fleshy part of his hand. Didn't touch the bone. Thought this guy had an arm wound, too. Just a neck, man. That officer you shot, Vickers, he's dying. Is he? He's a family guy. Got a wife, two kids. Has he? Why did you shoot him, Vickers? Ask him. We did. Then you know the reason. Said there wasn't any reason. That's right. Look, we're gonna make you on this, Vickers. You know that, don't you? I don't know anything. Why'd you shoot him? Shut up. Why'd you shoot him? Joe. Yeah. 
Davis? Yeah? Stay with him. Bye. Doc, get us an MT slip on this guy, will you? We'll be back in a minute. Come on. Man. All right, Joe. I'll have it ready. Too big, punk. Easy, Joe. Oh, easy nothing. I've seen too many good cops like Bemis cut down by punks like that Vickers. Getting mad won't help. Come on, down the stairs. Yeah. Back to see Bemis? Why? Just for the record. I want to see if the doc thinks it's okay for us to bring Vickers down. I'd like to have Bemis definitely identify him as the guy who shot him. We've got three good witnesses. An identification for Bemis will clinch it. I want to see Vickers get everything he's earned when he goes to court. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> he went fast, Joe. Yeah. That his wife? Yeah. she make it in time? No. Did he say anything that it'd help? No, it might. He said a prayer. Two six two five. Two six two five. Auto records, Crowley. Joe Friday, Vince. What about a make on that car used in the Beamer shooting this morning? Yeah, Joe. I've been trying to get a hold of you. Where are you now? Georgia Street, second floor. What about the make? Car was reported stolen yesterday afternoon. Registered to Harold Simpers, seven one six Everett Street. Report said the car was taken from a parking lot at Grand and Wabash. Okay, Vince. Thanks. What about the guns they found in the car? Lee Jones still has them over at the crime lab. He's running them through. No word yet. No. You make out the impound report on the car, Joe? Yeah, recovery report, too. They're still dusting for print. MT slip ready, Doc? Yeah, right here, Ben. Medical card, history, MT slip. You ready, Vickers? Yeah. All right, put out your wrist. Put the cuffs on him, Ben. Watch his hands. You saving me for the hot lights? All right, let's go. I'm not going to jail. You're in jail now. Looks like a hospital. Bars on the windows, aren't they? All right, come on. Give me a smoke. Here. Okay. Light. What do I get if I open up? No deal. My talk, make it attractive. Who was the other guy in the car? Hitchhike. I always give rides. Then why'd he run when we chased you? Maybe he was scared. You're part of a gang. Maybe. Who was the other guy? What's it worth? Oh, come on, Vickers. You're wasting our time. Where are we going? All right. My hand hurts. I want to call my own doctor. You hear me? Yeah. That cop pulled his gun first. I can prove it. Yeah, down the stairs. Easy, huh? Where are we going? I said, where are we going? All right, what's it worth if I talk? I could tell you all about it. Let's make a deal. You'll tell us anyhow. Think so? All right, you, out the door. Uh, wait a minute, huh? Cigarettes out. All right, Ben, light it. Yeah. Nice of you guys. Thanks. Oh, oh, get up, Ben. Vicker, stop. He's crossing the street. Fire over his head. Watch the crowd. Vicker. Joe, he's running for that car. All right, hold it, Vicker. All right, stop it, Ben. 
Joe. He stopped. Come on, Joe. All right, come on. Get back, please. Let us through here. Let us through. Shall I call a doctor, Joe? No, he wouldn't be interested. The guy's dead. James Vickers, murder suspect, address unknown, died almost instantly at 1.13 p.m., November 16th, while attempting to escape. His body was taken to the county morgue where it was posted. All the personal effects found on the body were listed by the coroner and a receipt for them given to our office. At 8.35 the next morning, Ben and I met with Chief of Detectives Ed Backstrand. Those four guns they found in the car Vickers was driving, they're all U.S. Army property. Where were they stolen from, Skipper? I don't know. Each one of the guns is stamped U.S. Army, that's all. Well, that makes it easy. The coroner find anything on the body? Nothing to tell us why Vickers decided to kill a traffic cop. What did Bemis say before he died? He was on traffic duty yesterday morning down at East Broadway and 1st. At 10.35, a gray coupe pulled up for a stop sign. Vickers was driving. Uh-huh. Bemis started over to tell him to back up out of the pedestrian zone. Vickers pulled a gun and shot him. How'd they catch Vickers? Chased him three miles before he piled into a lumber truck. The guy with him got away. Fine. Checked R and I. No make or warrants on Vickers. Kickback's not in on his fingerprint. All right. What's your guess, Freddy? I don't have one, Ed. Vickers could have been hopped up. Doc Stanley over at Georgia Street said no. He checked him. Uh, wait a minute. Backstrand. Yeah, hold on. For you, Friday. Okay, thanks. Friday talking. Yeah. Yeah, good. Be right over, Lee. We're in business, Ed. Crime Lab just found Vickers' address. <laughs> It is, Joe. Thanks, Lee. Let's see, huh? Silver Dollar Hotel. Received a Mr. James Vickers, $6.50, room 345. Where'd you find it, Lee? Under the front seat, in with the tools. Anything else? Not a thing. How about prints? Two. Kind of smudged. Hope we can run a make with them. No prints on those four guns, Lee? Smeared. Not enough to classify. This is it, Ben. That's all we got. Come on. Let's see if we can make it pay off. We located the Silver Dollar Hotel on East Grand between 16th Street and Pico. It was an old-type frame building with a brightly colored neon sign jutting out over the sidewalk just above the dark entrance. The manager's name was Luther Gage. We showed him a picture of James Vickers. He definitely identified him as one of his former tenants. He told us that Vickers had stayed at the hotel one week in room 345 and that he had checked out two days ago. Was Vickers staying here alone, Mr. Gage? Yes, alone, quiet man. Did he have any visitors? Maybe. Wouldn't know. Paid his bills. Spent most of his time away from the hotel. Good tenant. Did Vickers have any friends here in the hotel? Mm, maybe. Fell in the room next to Mr. Vickers. He still lives here. Two of them used to be kind of thick. Can we look at that room Vickers stayed in, Mr. Gage? Mm, let's see. Yes, it's still vacant. All right. This way. This man Vickers was friendly with. What's his name, Gage? Mm, Knight. Raymond Knight. Room 343. See in his room now? No. Went out about 8 this morning. Here's the elevator. How well would you say Knight and Vickers knew each other? Couldn't say. Good tenants, both of them. Pay their bills. Did they go out together, seem to know each other well? Wouldn't know. I don't pry. Look, this case involves murder, Mr. Gage. We told you that. We'd appreciate your cooperation. Cooperation don't pay the rent, Sergeant. Third floor. This way. Here. Three, four, five. Open it up. Nothing. Yeah, over here. Looks 
pretty clean, Joe. All my rooms are clean. You didn't mean it that way, Mr. Gage. I wonder if you'd show us Knight's room now. That's next door, isn't it? Hmm, I don't know about this. Poking into other people's rooms, not regular. Neither's murder. Come on, let's go. Does Mr. Knight have this room to himself? Sure ask questions, don't you? No, Knight has a friend staying with him. About two weeks now. Not in much. Is he in now? Don't think so. Oh, I... Ben, watch it! Drop that, you! Bad shot, Mr. Gage, look out! Come on, get up! Ben? He's out cold. Look what you've done to the room. I thought you said Knight wasn't in. He isn't. This is his friend. Great friends. 45 automatic in his hand. 38 snub nose in the bureau. Another 45. Look in his bag. I don't pry. He pays his bills. Good tenant. Yeah. Can I get outside on this phone? Mm, yes. All outside calls are 10 cents. Yeah. Here. Have to keep the books straight. Sure you do. Who's going to pay for the damage? Ask Mr. Knight's friend here. Well, say... Why worry? He pays his bills. Good tenant. I called Ed Backstrand, and he sent out a special detail to stake out the hotel and bring in Raymond Knight if and when he returned. Ben and I drove to the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital where Doc Stanley patched up the cut on Ben's scalp and treated Raymond Knight's friend for simple cuts and bruises. From papers found in his wallet and in the hotel room, he was identified as Frank Gannon, 9896 Wasatch Street, Kansas City, Missouri. When we got to headquarters, we had Gannon taken to the interrogation room where we questioned him briefly. He told us that he was a self-employed watch salesman, that he was in the city on a business trip. He admitted friendship with Knight, but not with Vickers. We booked him at the county jail for assault with intent to commit murder. The three guns found in the hotel room were turned over to the crime lab. We reported back to the office. Joe, my head's pounding like mad. That Gannon's a mean Yeah, it's a nasty crack. I got some aspirin in my desk. Might help. Here are. Hi, boys. Rough day. I don't get much rough already. Message for you on the desk. Oh, I'm gonna eat. Starving. Right, Tracy. What is it, Joe? Joan's got to make on those prints he lifted off the car. Let's see. Yeah, something else to know on James Baker. Uh-huh. Wanted, 10 desertion, U.S. Army. That could account for those stolen Army guns. Yeah. What about the make on those prints Lee found? Well, let's take a look. Vance Taylor's. Good, solid record. Four burglaries. Two armed robberies. Two assaults. Wait a minute. Here's the mama sheet. Mm-hmm. All right. Born so-and-so, age 36. Alias John Fields, Harold Grant, Tom Bissell, Joe... Hey. Yeah, alias Raymond Knight. The other man who rode in the car with James Vickers the morning he shot down traffic officer Bemis finally had been identified. Vance Taylor, alias Raymond Knight. Well, that still didn't explain the unprovoked murder. It didn't explain the four guns found in the car or the three guns found in the hotel room. An assortment of arms like that could mean something big, but we didn't know what. Gannon's sudden willingness to shoot it out in the hotel room meant something, too. We didn't know what. We had Gannon brought back to the interrogation room. Hi, Gannon. Have a seat. Everything all right? 
I'll bet you're worried. No, we're not worried, Gannon. You ought to be. Don't make me laugh. You're tied in with Raymond Knight. That's enough for us. You send me up for it. We're going to try. Big talk. How long did you know Vickers? I didn't. Oh, funny. His prints are all over one of those guns we found in your room. I'm not worrying. Then you better start, Gannon. Vickers and Knight killed a man. If you run with him, your hands are dirty, too. I room with Knight, that's all. Knight didn't come back to the hotel, where is he? We're not that close. You share your guns and your friends. That's close enough for us. I don't know Vickers. You mean you didn't know him? I said I don't know him. We got Vickers, Gannon. He's dead. Good story. Okay. Come on, Gannon. Let's go down to the morgue. Down this way, Joe. Cold today, isn't it? Yeah, it's damp. Bad sinus weather. Mm -hmm. What is all this? Never seen a corpse before? No, I'm not in this. Take me back. I don't want to look. You can close your eye. Take me back. I don't want to look. Here we are, fellas. Slam 45. This way, Gannon. I I get sick. I don't want to look. Throw back the sheet, Fred. (sighs) Take a good look, Gannon. No, he's Knight's friend. I'm not in it. Who is in it? I don't know. I... Take me out. I'm sick. All right, Fred. Thanks. Okay, bye. Interrogation room, Friday. Joe, on stakeout at the Silver Dollar Hotel. No sign of Raymond Knight. Keep you posted. Okay, Dave, thanks. How long does this go on? I can call a lawyer, you know. Then you better call one right away, Gannon. They just picked up Knight at the hotel. He's incriminated you. You're a liar. Sure. Like we were about Vickers. We'll prove it to you, Gannon. The officers are on their way in now. They're going to put Knight in the next room. You can listen to him. Look, I came here to sell watches. I ain't in this. Gannon, you and Vickers and Knight were planning a job, a big one. We know that. If you want to wait to get on the witness stand to tell your story, it's all right with us. Well, didn't take too long to break this one. Smoke, Joe? Yeah. Thanks. Gannon? Smoke? Hmm. What are you going to do? Nothing. Just kill a little time. They bring in Knight. You haven't got Knight. I haven't unwrapped him yet, Joe. Want to check me out? Okay, open him up. Give him a good shuffle, huh? You're going to have some time on your hands, Gannon. Want to learn a new card game? No. Suit yourself. It's a good game for two. Better with three. Sure, a lot of cards. Yeah. You got two decks there. First off, this game is quite a bit like gin rummy. Yeah? There are eight of every suit. Four jokers. Jokers count 50 points. Mm-hmm. Red threes count 100 points each. If you get a black three, you can freeze the deck. Oh, I see. I shouldn't say deck. In this game, they call it the pack. Pack? What's a pack? Well, it's the discard pile. Same as in gin. You get a red three, you can freeze it. No, it's a black three. Well, what happens when you freeze it? Nobody can pick it up. Oh, I see. All right. Let's deal out a dummy hand here. Fine game, Gannon. Sure you won't change your mind? You don't want to play, Joe. All right, now I'm two-handed. You deal out 15 cards, see? How many can play? As many as six, I think. I've only played up to four. You play partners with four? Yeah, that's right. Okay, count your cards. I think that's 15. 13, 14, 15, right. Now, now what do I do? Well, I guess you better lay your hand open. That'll be the easiest way to show you. Okay. I'll spread them all out over there. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have a great hand there. 
You got a couple of black threes, you can use those. Yeah, that's fine. They count a hundred apiece. No, no, no. Those are red threes. Black threes don't count anything. Oh, red three. That's right. Do you remember what black threes are for? You can use them to freeze the pile. Pack. That's right. The pack. Well, you know what I mean. All right, now, look. You see, I got a joker here. Jokers are wild. Do you remember how much they count? They're wild. hundred points. No, red threes are worth a hundred. Jokers count fifty. You don't explain it very good. I don't understand. Well, how simple can it be? Gannon's not even playing. You get it, don't you, Gannon? Okay, red threes count a hundred. Jokers count fifty. Black threes, you can, fi- you can freeze the, pi- uh, the pack. Yeah, good. Now, hold on to that, will you? Now, black threes freeze the pack, but that's not the only card that can do it. No? No. Deuces can do the same thing. Well, you see, the only difference is if you use a deuce, which is also wild, you have to have a natural pair in order to pick up the pack. Now, with a black three, it's I knew it. good until... I knew it wouldn't work. It was sour right from the start. Vickers killed the cop. Ben, I'm not in stenographer. it. I'm right, copping on. I'm taking no raps. Johnny, the stenographer. Right, Ben. All right, Gannon. Too late. You haven't got time. 20 after 1, they're going to do it. Do what? Payroll. Brazier Company. Messenger leaves at 120. He's got the payroll. 30 grand. They're going to get him. Where does the messenger leave? 120. You're too late. I'm not in it. Where does he leave? 120 leaves the bank, I think. No, maybe the company. Where's the company? Third and Spring. They're going to get him. Where's the bank the messenger goes to? Up the block, Second National, Third and Hill. Where are they going to get the messenger? By the alley, Clay Street. I'm not in it. Ben, check it. Get out of communications. Have him put out a call to block off the area. Give him the details. Right. Johnny. Yeah, Joe. Stay with this guy. Okay. Davis. Davis. Brazier. Brazier. Manufacturing. Olympia. Manufacturing Company. Give me your payroll division. This is a police department emergency. Oh, what's that, sir? Your payroll division. It's an emergency. One moment, sir. Come on, hurry up. Payroll, Hopkins. Mr. Hopkins, this is Sergeant Friday, police department. We've had a tip your payroll messenger is going to be held up today. Has he left your building yet? The messenger? Yeah. Oh, my. He left early today. Went out the door about ten minutes ago. Thanks. Second National. Second National. Security. Second National. What's the road? Friday, what's all the excitement? You break that game? Explain in a minute, Ed. No time. Mm. Good afternoon, Second National. Give me the manager on duty, please. Emergency. One moment, please. One moment. Come on, come on. I'm sorry, sir. The line is busy. Would you care to wait? Give me the chief teller. Thank you. Chief teller, Waters. This is Sergeant Friday, Police Department. Emergency call. Has the payroll messenger from the Brazier Company left the bank yet? Well, uh, I wouldn't know, Sergeant. Uh, just a moment. I'll have your call switched. Yeah. Operator. Beatrice, would you give this call to Miss Chalmers? Uh, it's important. Thank you, Mr. Waters. Miss Chalmers, good afternoon. Miss Chalmers. What's the matter, Friday? Are you sick? Yeah, I'm sick. Miss Chalmers, good afternoon. Miss Chalmers is a sergeant, Friday, police department. Has the payroll messenger from the Brazier Company left the bank yet? From Brazier's? Why, yes, not more than two or three minutes ago. And he had the payroll with him? Of course. Thanks. Got a tip on a payroll stick. I bet you coming. Yeah, let's go. Ben, down this way. Coming. Let's hustle it. Down the stairs. Communications, get the story. You got it on the air now. Where's this brazier coming in? Third and Spring, about five blocks from here. Come on, here's the garage. All right, come on, hit it. Let's make time. Get the radio on. Just warming up. All units, 
tried so hard, Joe. I don't know, Ben. Some people are like that. You can blow the whistle all you want. They never know when to stop. The story you have just heard is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. Frank Gannon, the only surviving member of the holdup gang was tried and convicted of the crime of assault with intent to commit murder. He is now serving out his sentence at the state penitentiary. You have just heard the 16th in a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of acting chief of police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Private Richard H. Taylor of the Washington, D.C. Police Department, who on the evening of December 13th, 1946, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. Dragnet came to you from Los Angeles. likes a great deal about the South. We like a great deal about Phil Harris. For instance, we like his beautiful blonde wife, Alice Faye. In fact, we like the Phil Harris-Alice Faye show, and it just happens that it returns to the NBC air tomorrow. Why don't you take our advice and listen to one of the funniest shows around anywhere? That's the Phil Harris-Alice Faye show tomorrow on most of these same NBC stations. the stars on NBC.